Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82. A Psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good afternoon, everyone, or late afternoon. My name is Kennard Levy Brown. I'm your host for the Merciful Servants of God. Uh, biblical instructional program. Uh, I do have uh, two other radio programs that I do. Uh, one of them, actually, they're both on Messianic Lamb Radio. And so if you are interested in hearing me on those other uh, internet radio stations, simply go to MessianicLambRadio.com, MessianicLambRadio.com. And um, I'm available Sunday at 9.30 Eastern Standard Time. Um, I'm not the only one talking on that particular program. I have three other people as well. And we go over the Torah portions for the week, the traditional Jewish Torah portions. Actually, the start of the next Torah portion since uh, Sunday is the start of the week. It's the first day of the week. And then on Tuesday nights, I have my own program on there and, you know, I talk about all kinds of topics and specifically I, I focus on uh, what I like to term realistic prophecy, not fanatical. I, I go by the scriptures and what they uh, reveal and the focus on prophecy should be looking at events, not trying to figure out when those events are going to occur. And so that's the proper methodology of trying to understand prophecy. And that's what I've discovered over the years of doing it, over 30 years. And so anyway, if you're interested in listening to me uh, continuously, other than this program, then feel free to do so. I'm also going to be, y'all willing, providing some video teachings on YouTube soon. And so you can go to my YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com uh, forward slash merciful service of God. And you're going to start to see unless something happens to me, Unless it's not Yodevahe's will, I believe it is. But we can be wrong. But um, uh, he's given me the capability of doing video here conveniently. So I should be able to do it now. And um, expect some videos. Hopefully at least one new video maybe every two months. I'm hoping to make it every month. But I think realistically every two months. 
So stay tuned for that. All right, we're going to talk about, I always say that every topic that I talk about is an interesting topic, but this is certainly a interesting topic, and it is a topic, I would say, of, uh, of great confusion, I, I believe. And because we know the majority of Christians, whenever they think about the blood of Jesus, uh, they think that, hey, well, salvation is here. Um, all we have to do is just believe that Jesus is, a, is the Christ and we're saved. And so my question to you is, is it that simple? Is it really that simple uh, for everyone to be saved? Did Jesus go through all that just for us to just continue to sin and not make any effort to to repent and, and uh, be better people? Does that really make sense? So that, that's the thing that we have to, to really uh, question as I go through this study today. All right. And, and we got to understand something. I think that most of you understand that Yeshua, God used Yeshua to, to create the universe and to create man. And so somebody that is on that magnitude shedding, coming to the earth as a man and shedding his blood Obviously, that being is going to expect something back in return. Okay, so we we got to be, we got to use our brains, folks, and and think a little bit. Okay, all right, uh, we got to use our brains uh, and understand that truth. I would say common sense truth that God is not going to just expect us just to continue on and, and not change when his son's blood was shed for us. Okay, so we, we've got to understand that. And this is a, a verse that Jews have a problem with that is right in here for us to see. In Leviticus 17, verse 11, is talking about a creature. Leviticus 17, verse 11. Leviticus 17, verse 11. Let me read this to you here. It says, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. And so we know our physical substance is all wrapped up in the blood. And even scientists have looked at the blood and it contains what we need to survive. And when we eat, food is digested so that the blood can take it to the other parts of the body and it, it nourishes our body. <coughs> Just getting over cold, so. I apologize for that. And I have given it, okay, it says right here, Leviticus 11, verse, Leviticus 17, verse 11, for the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I've given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that make of atonement for the soul. All right? And so that that is a scripture that Jews have had issues with, and they also quote this scripture uh, where, hey, God is not a man. Yeah, that, we, we know that. God is not a man, but can God come as a man? <laughs> That's the question, see? And, and he did. He came as a man. And that man was Yeshua. And so uh, 
that is the thing that um, that Jews struggle with constantly, um, and they don't understand the importance of uh, Yeshua's shed blood because of that. But you have to know the Bible to understand that what happened, what was prophesied to happen in Isaiah 53, they don't include Isaiah 53 in the Torah portions for a reason because it actually reveals who the Messiah is, basically. But he had to do that. He had to uh, give his blood uh, for all of mankind. It took someone that was above man to be able to do that. So let's go back. Let's go back to Genesis to, to help us understand why we needed this blood sacrifice, this ultimate blood sacrifice to atone us for our sin. The first sin that was created or committed by a man, of course, the first sin ever uh, committed. Let's go to that. Let's go. Let's let's find out what was the first sin ever created. Well, it's in the Bible, and it wasn't done by man. Let's go to Ezekiel chapter twenty-eight. Ezekiel chapter twenty-eight, and talks about a great being called a cherub, or a cherub, and right here. Uh, in Ezekiel chapter 28 Verse 12 Son of man Take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus And say unto him Thus says the master You seal up the sum full of wisdom And perfect in beauty Thou hast been in Eden The garden of God Every precious stone was thy covering The sardis, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the ox The jasper, the sapphire The emerald and the carbuncle and gold and the workmanship of thy tablets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. You are the anointed cherub that covereth. Now, to understand this, when you look at the Ark of the Covenant, it has uh, sculptures of two cherubs, one on one side, one on the other. So uh, Hasatan, or at this time, he wasn't called Hasatan, the adversary. He was called uh, the light bringer. Okay, that covereth, and I have set thee so. You were upon the holy mountain of Yodevahe. You have walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. So this cannot be talking about a human being, folks. And some people, they actually think that this is a human being. All right. In verse 15, you were perfect. What's, what human being is perfect? Uh, you were perfect in thy ways from the day that thou was created. So he was created with perfection. As the Adam was too But iniquity was found in him And so that's where Sin or lawlessness Originated in this being He is the originator And this is what you need to understand If you don't already That God is not the originator Of sin Lucifer Or later on he became The adversary Ha means the Satan means adversary he became the adversary of God because iniquity or lawlessness was, or, or this means unrighteousness, it means olata, 
uh, in Hebrew, and it means injustice, unrighteousness. The word refers to anything that deviates from the right way of doing things. All right, and so that originated from Hasatan. I've given studies about what the spirit of error is. This is what it is. This is where it originated from. He is the spirit of error. Verse 16, by the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence. And you have sinned. Therefore, I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy you. So this is what's going to happen to him in the future. Some people teach that, oh, the devil's going to live for No, he's not. He's going to be destroyed one day. And I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Thy mind was lifted up because of thy beauty. And so he was full of himself. You have corrupted thy wisdom by reason of rightness. I will cast thee. So what was the first sin committed? Arrogance, pride. And what does Proverbs 13, verse 10 say? It says, only by pride or arrogance comes contention. And so that's um, important to understand what the first sin was. It was pride, arrogance. And so every time we sin, it is a form of pride and arrogance. We're saying, hey, we better than you, God. We have a better way than you. Your way is not right. And that's what happened to the, to, to, uh, the light bringer. And he became a dark bringer. And he's been a dark bringer ever since. Thy mind was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom. He corru- This is how you can corrupt your wisdom or my wisdom by having arrogance and pride by reason of thy brightness, thy brightness. That's uh, that Hebrew word for brightness is yipah, and it means splendor. It is used of a glamour and glitter of a city of net. So, and it says right here, this splendor often led to pride and corruption. And he was so wrapped up in how beautiful he was. And I've met women like that. They were so wrapped up, and that's why you know, I ended up marrying my wife, because she wasn't so wrapped up in her beauty as these other women were. They were so wrapped up in their beauty that it corrupted them. And so I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. And he says, thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries, and he has sanctuaries. Uh, it's a sacred place. And he has sanctuaries today. Of thy iniquities, by the multitude of thy iniquities, by the iniquity of thy traffic. Therefore will I bring forth a fire from the midst of thee, and it shall devour thee. And I will bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold thee. So that is his fate, ladies and gentlemen. And guess what? He wants some people to come along and be destroyed like him. That's what he wants. All right? And... And so that's the origination of sin. That, 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 that is how sin came into the universe, through one being. And then it spread. And so let's get back to the Garden of Eden again. Uh, we know the creation of man. I'm not going to go there. But what I'm going to go to is Gen- Genesis chapter 3, the downfall or the perversion of man's DNA. All right? This is what I'm reading here. Genesis 3, verse 1, now the serpent was more subtle, and that Hebrew word for subtle is arum, 
and it means crafty, shrewd, sensible. Wish the master Yorevahe made, and he said to the woman, yes, as God said, you shall eat of every tree of the garden. So this is the spirit of error at work. When there's doubt, I'm not talking about justifiable doubt when somebody says, we should have orgies, and you're like, is that true? Is that in the Bible? That's different. I'm talking about doubt where you are trying to discredit the truth. That's what I'm talking about, and that's what Hasatana is an expert at doing, all right? And so listen, listen, look how he twisted the truth. Has God said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And he, of course, he said that. He said, has God said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And that, that really was a twisting because he didn't say that. You should not eat of every tree of the garden. Verse 2, and the woman said unto the servant, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the gardens. And so actually the woman corrected him there. But the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, that night you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, you shall not shall Now this is how he's, he's lying now. He's the father of lies. That's what uh, Yodhevahe said in John chapter 8. Yeshua, he said he's the father of lies. So if you want to know where lies came from, it didn't come from man originally. It came from the adversary, the devil. He said, you shall not surely die. So that's a lie right there. For, for God does know that in the day you eat there, then your eyes shall be open, and you shall be as Elohim, knowing good and evil. Verse 6. Now, it is our destiny to become mighty ones, not like God, but underneath him. We're going to be like him in the future. And so he kind of twisted the truth there. All right? Uh, and we will know the difference between good and But see, God wanted us to do it his way, gradually starting to learn what the difference is between good and evil. Not doing it the way we want to do it. See, that's the way we are. We want to do things the way we want to do it. We don't want to be led by God. We were all born with that type of spirit. Verse 6, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And then, you know, that's an interesting thing. Adam was standing right there, and he just... <laughs> allowed his wife to just manipulate, you know, and husbands, you got to be strong when you know your wife is wrong. You got to stand up. And, you know, wife is not always wrong, but when she is, you got to stand up and be a man and correct her. All right. And this is not Adam that he felt in the leadership responsibilities there. Verse seven, and the eyes of them both were open. And they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And, and they heard the voice, and this is interesting, they heard the voice of the master walking in the garden. Why does it say voice? Well, that's another Bible study, anyway. And the garden, the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the master, Yodevahe, among the trees of the garden. And so they were ashamed. And that's what sin does. It, it makes you feel ashamed, doesn't it? I mean, if you are convicted and you believe in Yodhe Vahe, you're going to feel ashamed. 
And I know whenever I sin, I feel ashamed. I feel guilty. And, and they feel guilty. So much so, they were hiding themselves. And the master, Yodevahe, called Adam and said unto him, where are you? And of course, he knew where he I just wanted to hear from him. And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you? And he knew, but he wanted to know from his own mouth, man's mouth. Who told you that you were naked? Has you eaten of the tree, which I commanded thee not that you shouldn't eat? And the man said, the woman whom you gave to be what she gave me of the tree, and I did. So he tried to put the whole blame on her. And, oh, he knew what the deal was. He was the one that failed in his leadership responsibilities. Verse 13 of Genesis 3. And the master, Yodevahe, said unto women, unto the woman, what is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, the serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And it's true. The, the serpent did nasa, which means deceive in Hebrew, deceive her. And it means to use deceptive methods or deceit to accomplish something, to deceive a person. And see, this should help you understand this is how the devil does things. He, he twists God's words to make it appear that God is being unjust to us. Okay, uh, there's even a, a a passage of scripture in Ezekiel chapter 18 that, that explains that our people have wanted to blame God. You're you're unequal. Are you unfair? And the guy said, No, you you're unfair. It's in Ezekiel chapter 18. If you ever want to read that, uh, in verse 14, uh, Genesis chapter 3, <clears throat> and the master said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, you are cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shall you go, and thus shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put hostility between thee and the woman. All right, so you need to understand this separation here. Most people don't understand this separation that is prophesied. They, in John chapter 8, Yeshua explained this separation. There's two fathers. You have Father Yohevahe in heaven, and you have father Satan on the earth they both have children and this is what this is talking about here Genesis 3 verse 15 I will put enmity or hostility between thee and the woman alright and between thy seed and her seed and so right there seed of course means children so the devil has children folks and the woman has children I tell you this on the authority of the scriptures there are more of the devil's children than God's children right now Although in the end, it's going to be more of God's children than the devil's children. But right now, there's much more of the devil's children than there's God's children. All right? And I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed. You might as well put children there because that's certainly what that's talking about. Zerah in Hebrew is a masculine noun meaning sowing seed, descendants, offspring, children, and posterity. And so I think a better translation of that would be thy children. And her children, it shall be, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Okay, and so let me read the rest of this so you can understand the reason why we have struggles. It's all in Genesis, <laughs> verse sixteen. And until the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. So if you are wondering why women suffer. Well, this is the reason. And sorrow, thou shalt bring forth children. That's the reason why it hurts. And so whenever you are pregnant, you get pregnant, but whenever you've got, remember this scripture, this is the reason why, all right? 
Thou shalt bring forth children, and and I, in verse sixteen, unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. In other words, he will make the final decisions. He has dominion over his right, but it should be righteous dominion, not dictatorship. Dictatorship. Rulership like Hitler should not be like that Verse 17 And then to Adam he says Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife Doesn't mean that you shouldn't But you gotta be careful Obviously because Who does the devil go to He went to the wife Not the husband Because he felt he had a better chance Of deceiving the wife And so we gotta understand that And we have to be not only physical protectors for our wives, but also spiritual protectors. And Adam failed in that. Anyway, and Adam, he said, because thou hast hearkened to the voice of thy wife and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, thou shalt not eat of it. Curse is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shall I eat it. And I'm telling you, I know it's tough as men to work. And it's, it's, it can be, it can hurt. It hurts mentally. It can hurt physically. But this is the curse. This is a part of the curse of the man. His work can be in sorrow. And sorrow in, in Hebrew is, is a bond. And it means pain and toil. Pain and toil. And it is. It, it can be painful and, to- and oppressive. And, that, and, and God never intended man to work that way. But that's a part of the suffering that man has to go through. And, and it says, in sorrow shall thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Verse 18, thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and you shall eat the herb of the field and the sweat of thy face. In other words, words, great effort. Shall thou eat bread until thou return unto the ground, for out of it was thou taken, for dust thou art, and and to dust thou shalt return. This may be more than an hour. (laughs) I'm just letting you know. Uh, I got to get done what I got to get done here. I'm not going to be rushing. And this is my program, and you know I can do what I want on it. Thank God. Anyway, verse 20. And Adam called his wife's name Hava, or Eve, because she was the mother of all living. And to Adam also unto his wife did the master make coats of skins and clothe them. And so it looks like this was um, obviously done from animals. Okay, so this is he. More, more than likely killed animals to, to make coats of skin to them, which is interesting. Verse 22, and the master said, behold, the man is, he's talking sarcastically here. The man has become as one of us, which is interesting. Who's the other person? I was talking about Messiah, uh, the father and the son. To know good and evil, and now that night he put forth his hand and take also the tree of life. But what does the tree of life represent? Immortality. And eat and live forever. That proves it. The tree of life represents immortality. And so God at this particular point in history was certainly not ready for mankind to become immortal in the state that he was in. Because of sin, it it messed up our DNA structure. Our DNA structure right now is damaged. He can't allow us to be immortal in our damaged state. And so he did the right thing here. He did not allow man at that time, and we still don't have immortality yet, okay? He did not allow us to have immortality. 
I very seldom hear this preached. I, I don't. I don't think I hear it preached hardly any. I, I know one organization that preached this in the past, and then they have splinter churches and they preach it. But I don't hear too many people in the Hebrew Roots movement preaching this. I really don't. Uh, verse 23, therefore the master sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So let's understand this again. This is a key scripture to eternalize and perhaps memorize. That God states here that he was not ready for man in his perverted DNA state right now because of sin to take hold of immortality. He said right here, in verse 22, and the master said, because this is important so you can understand what the blood of Jesus really does for us, okay? And it doesn't do probably what many Christians, well, I know it doesn't, but I'm just saying you may think this way too. You think the blood of Jesus just wipes away your sins and you're always forgiven and you can do whatever you want and don't worry about it. No, that's not ultimately what the blood of Jesus did, folks. I'm about to show this to you in a minute. Genesis 3, verse 22, and the master said, behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil. And now that night he put forth his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. He wasn't ready for that. He had mercy on us. He didn't want us to be eternally damned, okay, uh, eternally in a perverted state. So we need to thank him for that. Verse 22, therefore, the master Yodhevahi sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he had came. Now, here, this is key, verse 24. So he drove a man, and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubim, and a flaming sword, which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. So the tree of life, immortality, was closed off from mankind. And so what do you think had to happen to open or to eliminate the flaming swords from the tree of life? Well, this is, this is when the blood of Jesus comes into play here, all right? Uh, when, we look at, when we look at Genesis 3, verse 15 again, I will put enmity between thee and the woman. Between thy seed or her children, uh, I'm sorry, I will put hostility between you, and he's talking about Hasatan, the devil, and the woman. The woman, of course, is God's true children. And between the devil's children and the woman's children, it shall bruise thy head. All right? In other words, He's saying here, the children shall bruise his head. Or the one child that was born through the woman. <laughs> and we know who that was, Messiah. He's ultimately going to bruise his head. And the devil shall bruise his heel. Okay? He certainly bruised Yeshua's heel, but he's bruising our heels too. You know, he's slowing us down a bit, you know, but in the end, he's going to get his, all right? And so that's a prophecy that the Messiah will conquer Hasatan, right there in the third chapter. So that one prophecy proves uh, 
Yeshua right there, but, you know, we, we have our arguments, right? So, and so anyway, now, let's understand the significance of the blood of Messiah, the blood of Messiah, all right? And maybe in a future broadcast, I'll address the, the arguments uh, that Jews have about I'm trying to find if I can find it here because I, I, I was reading it. It was on Facebook here. Let me see if I can find it here real quick. There was an argument that somebody was using um, about man atoning himself and all that. And I've heard all these arguments about that. I might address it in this program and then I'll address it in another one. But it's just um, that's all we seem to do is just argue about this and argue about that and we have to, to look at all the scriptures, not just the Old Testament or you just leave out the Old Testament and just focus on the New Testament. We, we can't do those things, ladies and gentlemen. We have to, um, we have to uh, understand and take all the scriptures in consideration. That, that's what we have to do. Um, let me see if I can find this. If I can't, I'll just have to talk about it in another program. That's the argument that they use, basically. It looks like that's going to be a future program about that. But it can be easily proven that one of the one of the ways you can prove that is that the high priest, there was a, a ruling, and I think it's in the book of Numbers, uh, where um, when someone had to go into the, uh, the cities of refuge when they committed a uh, a death, and it wasn't their fault. Well, they could always come back once the high priest died. They could come back. So in a sense that kind of picture Yeshua's atonement, you know, so that's, that's one way of looking at it. Uh, there's a, there's another way too, but you know, it's like I'm going to have to address that in another program. But for those who already believe in Yeshua's the Messiah, that won't be an issue for you. All right. And so let me get back to helping you to understand what the blood of Jesus really do. What, what does it do for us? All right. So, and to understand that, first of all, we have to understand what pure worship is. And I've gotten criticized for this. And when people criticize anyone that's preaching the truth, you're really criticizing God. And you have to question your own theology. But in James 1, verse 27, it says, pure religion. And that religion, that word in the Greek, uh, it means worshiping or worship. All right, so pure worship, and the Greek word for pure is clean, clean. Does God want us to worship unclean? Of course not. So he's, he's all about purity. He's all about kiddosh, uh, sanctification. Uh, we're, we're still experiencing the process of sanctification. And so that's the important thing to understand. So pure religion and undefiled before Yodei Vahe and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction. All right. And that's you can go to Isaiah chapter one. I know I'm on a program where they focus on that. But 
reading the verse in its context even gives it more meaning of Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. Actually, if you read the verses above it. And this is why my ministry is based on these verses here, um, starting in Isaiah 1, verse 13. Bring no more vain oblations, instances and abominations to me, the new moves and the Sabbath. You know, people in in the Hebrews movement especially, they focus so much on new moves and keeping the Sabbath and uh, the calling of assemblies, which you should focus on. But it's it's overemphasized to the point of where you forget the weightier matters of the law. And that's found in Matthew 23, verse 23. It's faith, which is imuna in Hebrew. Adherence to the truth and true principles. Mercy, caring about everybody, every human being on the earth. And justice, doing the right thing. Those are the things that we need to focus on. That's the reason why we keep the new moons and the Sabbaths and the and, and come together so that we can do the weightier matters in addition to doing the other matters. I cannot away with it is iniquity. Even How can keeping the, the new moons and the Sabbaths uh, be iniquity? Well, you're about to find out here in a minute. Verse 14, your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hateth. They are a trouble unto me. I am weary to bear them. Verse 15, and when you spread forth your hands, I want to see, you can pray all you want, folks. If you're not caring about people, if you're not doing the weightier matters of the law, all the Sabbath keeping and, and the holy day keeping and keeping new moons, and whatever you do, it's not going to make any difference to him. Here's an old song. If your heart's not in it, you know, I've got the rest of it, you know, but if your heart is not in the something, you know, God can tell, all right? And so anyway, uh, verse 15, and when you spread forth your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Yes, when you make many prayers, I won't hear. He's not going to hear your prayers if your heart's not in it. You got to have the love for the truth, okay? Hold your place in Isaiah 1, verse 15. Yeah, this is going to be more than an hour, I can tell again. I can never predict how long I'm going to speak. Um, Second Thessalonians Chapter 2 He doesn't want our obedience If we don't want to do it folks You know You know God You know, Yeshua didn't want to get the He didn't want to get beat up He didn't want to go through the pain But he wanted to do it Because he knew it was the right thing to do Okay And so we've got to To really Be overjoyed Or, or we, we should Appreciate the opportunity of having the opportunity to obey him, so much so that we should love it, not regret it. So in Second Thessalonians, it states, I'm trying to find it here, in Second uh, Thessalonians here, um, here we go, chapter 2. Verse 10. Well, actually, let me go verse 9. No, let me go verse 7. Second Thessalonians 2, verse 7. For the mystery of iniquity, where did iniquity originate from? Hmm? Ezekiel 28, what did it, it, it was found in a great cherub called 
the light bringer, and, he, and because of that sin being found in him, he became the dark bringer, the Lord of darkness. That's what he is. For the mystery of iniquity does already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Verse 8, and then shall that wicked be revealed. And it's with a capital W. All right. Whom the master shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Verse 9, even him whose coming is after the working of Hasatan with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the truth, no, they receive not the love, agape, the highest form of love in Greek, of the truth. That they might be saved. Oh, I thought I was already saved if I accept Messiah and I accept the blood of Jesus. No. You've got to continue to obey, folks. And verse 11, and for this cause, God shall send them strong, not just delusion, strong delusion, that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. And what is that lie, folks? I can tell you what that lie is. In 1 John chapter 2, let me read it in this context, in verse 1. My little children, these things write unto you, and these are God's children, not the devil's, uh, that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Yeshua Messiah the righteous. So this goes into what he did. His shed blood, right? And already... God is telling us not to sin. And so Yeshua dying, excuse me, one minute. Yeshua dying for us doesn't give us the right to just continue to sin. Okay? And there's another scripture in Romans chapter 6 that proves this. It says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? No. But that's what several of the 41,000 different denominations teach. Verse 2, God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? So, you know, that's not a true doctrine. And so let us go. Back to Second Thessalonians. And so we, we know that in verse 12, he said that they all, Second Thessalonians 2, verse 12, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. They had pleasure in it. That's what even makes it bad, that they actually had pleasure in unrighteousness, folks. That's sad. That's really, 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 really sad. And so, getting back to 1 John, you know, trying to to figure out the deception by the devil is so deep that I have to spend hours, perhaps another program, to explain all the deception. That's how great it is. 
Anyway, First John 2, verse 1, My little children, these things write unto you, that ye sin not, and if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Yeshua Messiah, the righteous. Verse 2, and he, who are righteous people? They keep the Torah, they keep the commandments. So Yeshua Messiah, the commandment keeper, you might as well say. All right? Verse 2, and he is the propitiation of covering for our sins. That represents the, the mercy seat, the covering. All right? And not for ours only, but for the sins of the entire world. So he, just, he, does not, he did not come just for the Jews or for Ephraim or, or, or all the 12 tribes. He came for everyone. Verse 3, and hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. So you don't really know God if you don't make an attempt to keep all of his commandments. Verse 4, he that says, I know him and keep him not his commandments, or don't have the attitude of trying to keep all his commandments, is a liar. That's a lie. And the truth is not in him. Verse 5, but whosoever keepeth his word in him verily is the love of God. What is the love of God? And 1 John 5, verse 3 says, the love of God is keeping his commandments, and none of his commandments is grievous. And so when you keep his word, but whoever keepeth his word in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. You know that you are in God if, if you keep his commandments. In verse 6, he that says he abides in him ought himself also to walk, even as he walked. Okay? And so go, getting back to James. James chapter 1. And then we're going to go back to Isaiah again. And this program may be two hours. I don't know, but this is a very important program, as all of them are, really. James 1, verse 20, so pure or clean religion or worship and undefiled before God and the Father is um, having a great musical uh, entertainment uh, session, singing, uh, dancing, praising God. No, it, it doesn't say that. Pure worship and undefiled before, not to say that that doesn't have anything to do with it. What I'm saying is that's not the pure, that's not the full focus. That's not the, the main focus of worship, okay? Pure religion or clean worship and undefiled before God and the Father is this. To visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. So the, the whole focus is purity. And how do you keep yourself unspotted from the world? Well, the blood of Jesus certainly has something to do with that. We're going to get into that, all right? And so, uh, let's get into uh, Hebrews chapter 1. Let's, let's get into, first of all, what most people understand the blood of Jesus, what it does. All right? And so, Revelation chapter 1. I had to pause a little bit. I wanted to make sure I go into a logical format of this. Revelation 1, verse 5, and, the, and Yeshua Messiah, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Verse 6, and has made us kings and priests unto Yodhe and his father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And so let's go back to verse 5, and from Yeshua Messiah, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the king of the earth, prince of the kings of the earth, and to him that loves us 
loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. So that's what the blood of Jesus does. It washes us from our sins and our future sins if we continue to repent and become better people. Okay? And so that's what it does. I think most Christians understand that. They understand that part of it. All right? What I'm going to talk about now is the part that most people don't understand. They don't understand that the blood of Jesus has opened the door of immortality again because it was closed shut because of the first sin committed by Adam and Eve. So that's ultimately what the blood of Jesus does. It reopens that door of immortality, but it's it's something that we have to do. We have to enter that door. Okay, that's the reason why he said we have to enter the kingdom of God. We have to enter, 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 enter. He's not going to allow anybody to enter the kingdom of God if we don't want to obey him, folks. Okay, so that that's the thing that is not preached by most of those, if not all, those 41,000 different denominations. All right, so let's go to John, 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. It says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Messiah his son cleanses us from all sin. And this is if we don't forsake the assembling of, the, of each other. And this is talked about in Hebrews chapter 10. And we're going to get to this in, in, in this Bible study. But I want to mention this in, in Hebrews 10 verse 25. It says, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another. <coughs> and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And so we we can't do it on our own. We're not lone rangers. And there's a good bunch, or I know there's a few people I know of in the Hebrews movement that want to be lone rangers because they think and that I'm preaching wrong and some other people are preaching wrong and they don't have any proof at all to prove that we are. And because of that, they're going to separate ourselves themselves from us and they're going to do their own thing. And that's what's going on. But um, the blood of Christ also does this. Ephesians, Ephesians, chapter two, verse. Let me start in verse eleven. Wherefore remember that ye being in the time Gentiles or, or heathens, you know, not obeying the full Torah who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision. Uncircumcision means you're not Jewish, which is called the circumcision in in the flesh made by hands. That means you're Jewish in this context. Verse 12, that at that time you were without Messiah, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Yeshua, who sometimes were far off, are made near by the blood of Messiah. So that's what the blood of Christ does. It brings you near the commonwealth of Israel. You are a part of the commonwealth of Israel. So that's what the blood of Christ also does. Here's another thing that it does, and I, I don't hardly hear this preached at all by anyone. Hebrews 9, verse 14. 
in verse 13 right here. Let me read the context so you understand here. Hebrews 9, verse 11. But Messiah, being come and a high priest of good things, to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place. This is talking about the holy of holies. Not the holy place, but the holy of holies. And this pictures Yom Kippur or the Day of Atonement. Him going in and shedding his blood. So really that that understanding of the Day of Atonement of Yom Kippur helps, it should help any Jew understand that the Messiah had to sacrifice himself, especially when you compare it to Isaiah 53. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats and, and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean, sanctifying to the purifying of the flesh, and that's all people think that the sacrifices erased sin. It did not. What it did is purified the body to appear before God during the days when the sacrifices were enforced. That's all it did. Verse 14, so it's making a comparison to that. Think of this. The holy place represents the universe or the earth. The holy of holies represents the spiritual dimension. Okay? That's why it's two different compartments. You have the holy place represents the Levitical priesthood, and then you have the holy of holies, which represents the Melchizedek priesthood. Well, we offer spiritual sacrifices. What are spiritual sacrifices? Well, you care about people, okay? Hebrews 13, verse 16 states plainly, hold your place in Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews 13, verse 15 to 16, I'm going to read this in the uh, complete Jewish Bible version for clarity's sake here. Hebrews 13, verse 15, through him, therefore, let us, Offer Yodhevahe a sacrifice of praise continually, for this is the natural product of lips that acknowledge his name. Verse 16, but don't forget doing good and sharing with others, for with such sacrifices is God well pleased. And that's what the sacrifices did. That's what it points to. It points to caring and sharing your possessions with other people. That's what reason, that's why it's called a sacrifice. And God always wants us to be doing that. In Romans 12, verse 1, it states the following. I exhort you, therefore, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer yourself as a sacrifice, living and set apart for God. This will please him. It is the logical temple worship for you. In verse 2, and he's, he's clarifying it here. In other words, do not let yourselves be Conform to the standards of the Olam Hazat. Or let me get back into an English version that you'll understand. Uh, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So the blood of Jesus, he did not shed his blood for us to continue in sin, folks. And unfortunately, that is a great false doctrine that is preached around the world. And Sunday preachers, a lot of them preach that. They preach that. 
The law is done away with. You don't have to do nothing. Um, God only told us to obey six commandments, you know, etc. Those are all a bunch of lies. They're all a bunch of lies. Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. Okay, so we understand that the, the Levitical priesthood sacrifices did not take away sin. All right, so in verse 14 of Hebrews chapter 9, how much more shall the blood of Messiah, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to Yodevahe, purge your minds or conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And that's what it does, ladies and gentlemen. That's what the blood of Messiah does, it purges our mind so that we can serve him. And the dead works is not talking about the, the law has been nailed to the cross. It's talking about the dead works of not doing anything. Uh, of just thinking that the blood of Christ is just going to just automatically put us into the kingdom if we just believe that Yeshua is our Savior. Belief involves works, folks. Because that's how God is going to truly know we believe him if we do something. Not sit around and expect him to do everything for us. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1 states plainly, for the, for the Torah, the instructions, having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of those things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year. That's talking about the day of atonement, Yom Kippur again. Make the comers perfect. And that's those sacrifices did not make anyone perfect, but Yeshua's will is going to make us perfect. Verse 2, for then would they have not ceased to be offered because that the worshipers once purged should have not had no more consciousness. So the blood of Messiah, if you continue to obey, you're going to forget sin. So to stop sinning, you have to stop thinking about it. And that's what the blood of, uh, of Jesus does for you too. It purges your mind and wipes away the remembrance of that sin so that you can stop sinning. I don't think I hear anyone preaching this. But that is the truth. Verse 2, for then would they not have ceased to be offered because that the worshippers once purged should have no more conscience of sin. Verse 3, but in those sacrifices there was remembrance again made of sins every year. Verse 4, for it is not possible that the blood of Bulls and goats should take away sin. Okay? So that should be pretty plain to you. And you should be getting a better understanding of what the blood of Messiah actually does for us. First of all, number one, it opens the door of immortality for each and every human being. But to enter that door, the blood of Messiah cleanses our minds and helps us to be pure before him. And so that we can enter the Holy of Holies spiritually through the Messiah. And so we can have a relationship with the Father. That's what it does. And John chapter 6, verse 44, it states, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him. Okay? And you can't get to the Father. The only way you can get to the Father is through Messiah. Okay? And, and, and he says that plainly, plainly in the scriptures. All right? So he is the door. He is the door. He is the bread of life. 
And John chapter 6 explains all that. That he is the door. He is the door. But to open that door, you have to obey him. If you don't obey him, you're not going to be able to open that door. And so I'm in the recorded session. I forgot to say that. <laughs> so anyway, this is going to be in the archives anyway. But he is the door, ladies and gentlemen. And to enter that door, we, we have to obey him. You can't come to the Father unless you go through him. Um, and if you don't want to go through him, then uh, you're not going to be able to get to the Father. Ladies and gentlemen, you're not going to be able to to have a relationship with him, and it all is about Messiah, folks. If you don't understand that, then you're going to have some serious issues with trying to develop a relationship with him. So, and that, that's just the way it is. And if you don't want to accept that, then in John 14 verse 6, it states plainly, "I am the way, the halakha." Or halakha, the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Okay? So you cannot come to the Father unless you accept the shed blood of Messiah. And that, that is the truth and none but the truth. So help me, yod Vahe. All right? And if you want to enter the kingdom, folks, this is the truth. For that in Matthew chapter 7 verse 21 Matthew chapter 7 verse 21 it says not everyone that is said unto me master master shall enter the kingdom of Yodevahi but he that doeth the will of my father which is in heaven and that's important to understand too there's many people that are, are doing you know miracles and doing all kinds of things and and, and they're not really obeying like they should uh, because of either ignorance or flat denial. And and yet people think that they are acceptable to Yodhevahe, you know, and I, I, that's not true, not according to, to what he's saying here. And I, I'm about to read it to you here. You know, and this is, this is something that you, you need to take serious here. You need to take serious. Excuse me. And so in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, not everyone that says unto me, Master, Master, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. Verse 22, many will say to me in that day, Master, Master, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them and say, I never knew you, depart from me, ye that work. Here we go with that word again, iniquity. And where did iniquity originate from, folks? I already showed this scripture to you in Ezekiel chapter 28. It originated from Hasatan. And so whenever we commit iniquity, remember where it came from. And why we need to get rid of it. And so... We have to enter into the kingdom of heaven, folks. It's something that we have to enter. And entering has something to do with obeying. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. It has To enter, you have to obey. Matthew chapter 18. 
It has, it has nothing to do with whether or not the door is open for salvation. To enter that door, you have to obey. Uh, Matthew chapter 18, verse 3. He said, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. This is so plain. You have to be converted. You can't be inverted <laughs> to be in God's kingdom, folks. You have to be converted. Okay? Uh, that's the way it is. And if you can't accept that, then you, I don't know what kind of religion you are in. You know, you're going to have to repent of the religion that you think you are in, if you think that he's going to accept inverted people in his kingdom. To be inverted means to put upside down in opposite position or arrangement. He's not going to accept inverted people. He's going to accept converted people. Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. And then let me explain a little bit more here. Verse 4, whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And verse 5, and whosoever shall receive one such little child in my name shall receive me. But whosoever shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hang about his neck and that, <coughs> excuse me, and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. All right, so that's important to understand that. It's important to understand um, that you have to enter into the kingdom of God. It's something that you have to enter, and to enter it, you have to obey. And this is similar to whenever you enter someone's home. When you enter someone's home, you got to go by the, the, the house rules, right? And if you don't go by the house rules, what's going to happen? You're going to get kicked out, right? People understand that, but they don't want to apply it toward God's laws. Um, John chapter 3, verse 5. Yeshua said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except you be born of the water, that's immersion, and of the spirit, that's having the spirit being put in you after immersion, you cannot enter the kingdom of yod and then, so that you understand what he's saying here in verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. So people that say they're born again, you're not really completely born again yet, folks. Uh, you're starting the process of being born again. But when you're born again, you're not flesh anymore. You're spiritual. You have a spiritual body. I'm going to explain that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And so you're not fully born again yet, but you're beginning the process. Um, Revelation 22, verse 14. And the King James Version has the best translation of this. Other translation says they washed themselves. Well, washing yourself has something to do with keeping yourself pure, and it has something to do with obeying, because you cannot wash yourself if you're not obeying uh, the commandments, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Revelation 22, verse 14. Blessed are they that do with commandments. Other translation, uh, let me read uh, the... Uh, I think even the Amplified Version has that. Yep. Uh, verse 14, Blessed, happy, and envy are those who cleanse their garments that they may have the authority and right to approach the tree of life and enter through the gates into the city. And so cleaning your garments, you look throughout the Bible, that has something to do with obeying the commandments because only through 
obeying the commandments, can you cleanse yourself? Okay. <laughs> then also the blood of Messiah, his sacrifice enabled all of mankind, not just Israel, to have access to the Ruach Kodesh of the Holy Spirit. So, um, excuse my coughing. Um, just lately, I don't know why I've been getting sick lately like this, but be praying that, because I know Hasatan doesn't want me to do what I'm doing, so he's going to try to do all he can to disturb me. So, please be praying that uh, I have enough health and strength to continue on. Acts 14, verse 22 says, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must through much tribulation enter. So that's also how we enter the kingdom of God too, through a lot of suffering. And a lot of people don't want to go through that suffering. Uh, and, but he told us that we're not, we're not his if we don't want to go through what he went through. You know, uh, we're not, we're, we're phonies. That's what he tells us in Matthew chapter 10. Let me read this to you, if I can find it, in Matthew chapter 10. Uh, Still trying to find it here. No, it's in Matthew chapter 10 somewhere. Okay, yeah, Matthew 10, verse 34. Think not that I have come to send peace, or shalom on earth. Many people think he came the first time to bring peace. No, he did not. The second coming will bring ultimate peace on the earth. Think not that I have come to send shalom on the earth for peace. Matthew 10, verse 34. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against and against the daughter and against his mother and the, and the daughter-in-law, against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes, and boy, do I understand this one, shall be of his own household. It's not just talking about your, your immediate family. You can also talk about your spiritual household. Since I'm a shepherd, the people that listen to you, they could turn against you as well, unfortunately. Verse 37, he that love a father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. And I've experienced this in this movement. You got some people loving their children, loving their wives or husbands more than they love God. Or they take something above God. And they love that and value that more so than God himself. And he says, he that love a father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that love a son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He that taketh not his cross and follows after me is not worthy of me. Okay? That is pretty plain, folks. Let me repeat that again. And he that taketh not his cross or, or stake and follows after me is not worthy of me. All right? So if you don't want to do that, says you're not worthy of him. So you have to be willing to suffer like he did if necessary. And if you feel that you can't do that, then you're not worthy of him according to the scriptures. And so you can get mad at me all you want. I'm all I'm doing is quoting scriptures. I'm all I'm all I'm doing is quoting scriptures. All right, so let's go to some other scriptures here. But first let's go to first Peter. First Peter chapter 1, verse 19. But with the precious blood of Messiah, as a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Verse 21. Who by him do believe 
God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in your day by age. Now, I want you to notice this, ladies and gentlemen. In 1 Peter 1, verse 22, it says, Seeing you have purified your souls, how do we do that? In obeying the truth, what is the truth? Psalm 119, 151 is all the mitzvah. If you have the attitude as I'm teaching this, you start getting angry because I'm telling you you have to obey something. Then you got the spirit of error in you, and you need to repent, and you need to stop being rebellious. Okay? I'm saying that out of love, but you need to cut that out. If you start to get frown and stuff because I'm talking about keeping Torah, Yeshua is the living embodiment of Torah. And so if you get upset by that, you have the wrong type of spirit in you, and you are the one that needs to repent, not me. So anyway, seeing you have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the spirit unto unfeigned love of the breath, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. And let me go to this same chapter here. Now, if you want to understand who the elect is, too, it has something to do with the blood of Jesus, all right? But not probably in the way some of you may be thinking. 1 Peter 1, verse 2, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit. Now, what does that have something to do with? What is that linked with? What is sanctification of the Spirit linked with, ladies and gentlemen? Okay, I'm going to ask you again. What is sanctification of the spirit linked with? Well, let me read the rest of the scripture to you. And remember, this is from one of the chief apostles, Kepa, not Paul, all right? Unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Yeshua Messiah. Okay, so... The sprinkling of his blood has something to do with the sanctification of the spirit and obedience. That is a very interesting scripture, I would think. So, the elect understand this. They understand that the blood of Jesus doesn't mean you sit there and do nothing. If anything, the blood of Jesus inspires us to obey him more. All right? Elect according to the foreknowledge of Yode Vahe, the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Messiah, grace unto you, and shalom be multiplied. Through the blood of Messiah, which certainly involves his Spirit, we are able to cleanse our mind of the filth that defiles us, ladies and gentlemen. That is the true message of the gospel. That's what she gives us hope. And the whole world will one day be purified and everyone will be keeping his commandments one day. And the whole earth will be at peace. That is the gospel of the kingdom of God. And unfortunately, that kingdom is not here yet. But it will be. It's only dwells, that kingdom dwells in those few on the earth that actually do have God's true spirit in them. But ultimately, it's going to, that kingdom will be here around the world, and that kingdom will allow peace to be on the earth, and peace really means everyone's needs are taken care of, everyone's needs will be taken care of, people won't fear, people shooting them or whatever, you don't have to hear about school shootings anymore, there won't be any of that again, and if there is something like that, it will be totally taken down immediately, 
that's going to be the difference. That's going to be the total difference. So let's go to uh, Hebrews. Hebrews. Chapter uh, 10. I already quoted a little bit of that chapter 10. So let's go to this now. And I'm going to try to explain this as simple as I can. All right. We left off in verse 4 of Hebrews chapter. I'm going to read the whole thing. All right. Up into where it says, uh, fearing the wrath of God. Hebrews 10, verse 4. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sin. Verse 5. Wherefore, when he comes into the world, he says, sacrifice and offering you would not, but a body you have prepared me. Verse 6. And burnt offerings and sacrifices to sin thou hast not had any pleasure. Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book it is written to me to do thy will. Above, when he says, sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offerings to sin, thou would not, neither would you have pleasure in which you are offered by the Torah. The reason why is because, as oh, I forgot. Let me read the rest of Isaiah. Hold your place there. Let me go to Isaiah chapter 1. Continue on that. Continue finishing that. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 15. And when you spread forth your hands, Isaiah 1, verse 15, I will hide my eyes from you. Yes, when you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Verse 16, here we go again with the concept. This has everything to do with the doctrine that most people don't seem to understand, the doctrine of washings. We have to cleanse ourselves up. Cleaning ourselves involves obedience, all right? Isaiah 1, verse 16, wash you. He's not going to wash us for us. He's going to, he did it through the blood of Messiah, but we have to learn how to do it ourselves. All right? Isaiah 1, verse 16, wash you, make you clean, put away the evil. He's not going to do it for us. We have to do it. Wash you, make you clean, put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes, cease to do evil. Verse 17, if it wasn't possible, why would God tell us something to do that we couldn't do? Verse 17, learn to do well. That means we have to to educate ourselves, to do well, right? Lamad in Hebrew, learn. It means to, to study, to teach, to be taught, to be learned. So learn to do well. What's well in Hebrew? Yataba. It means uh, to be well, to be pleasing in the cause of the stem. It means to do good, to do well, to please, to make pleasing. Okay? And so learn to do well. Seek judgment. What's that in Hebrew? Darat. To inquire, judgment. What's that in Hebrew? Miss Fox. We should always seek the right decisions. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless. Plead for the widow. That's what all the commandment keeping, including keeping the Sabbath and the holy days and the clean and unclean meats, which certainly has something to do. Spiritually, we're clean, cleaning out. We, we clean our bodies which we are commanded to do, but we should also clean, cleanse our minds. So also the, uh, avoiding um, meats that God tells us not to eat certainly has a spiritual connotation to it as well. We should avoid anything that we eat or read that will contaminate or anything that we see or any other five senses that we need, we need to avoid those things that will cause us to sin and pervert our minds. All right, anyway. Verse 18, come now and let us reason together, says the master. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. 
Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Verse 19, if you be willing and obedient, here we go, obedience. You can't get away from obedience. And that's what mankind wants to do. We want to run away from obeying God. You shall eat the good of the land. Verse 20, but if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured with the sword or war. For the mouth of the master has spoken. All right? So let's get back to Hebrews. Chapter 10. All right, verse 5. Okay, wait a minute. Where am I at now? All right, verse 9. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He take away the first. And people, when they see first here, and, and they don't understand the Jewish background, they don't understand Jewish history or Jewish religion. <coughs> they assume when it says he take away the first, it's talking about the law has been done away with. The old, the old covenant, the Ten Commandments, that's all been done away. No, that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about the priesthood taking away the Aaronic um, priesthood that he may establish the second priesthood. Okay? That's what it's talking about. And it's also talking about the holy place and the holy of holies. The holy place represents the work of the Levitical priests. The holy of holies represents the work of the Melchizedek priesthood, which Yeshua is the head of. Verse 10, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Messiah once for all. Verse 11, and every priest stands daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifice which can never take away sin. Verse 12, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, this is talking about the Yom Kippur sacrifice that was done every year. Study it in Leviticus chapter 23 and particularly Leviticus chapter 16. That pictures the, the one, one-time sacrifice of the God-man Messiah. Okay? But after this man, after he had offered, offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of Yodavide. From henceforth expecting Till his enemies be made his footstool. That's in Psalm 110, verse that whole chapter, Psalm 110. Verse 14, for by one offering he has forever, then that is talking about his personal offering, not talking about all the sacrifices. His personal offering, which was um, an analogy of a lamb offering. That's what it's talking about. Uh, verse 15, where the Holy Spirit also is a witness to us. For after that he had said before, verse 16, this is the covenant or agreement that I will make. It's also talking about two different uh, covenants, two different agreements. Not the words of the covenant, but the agreement. The first is passing away unto a better agreement to keep the law. Not the law that the law was done away with. It's just that there there was a better agreement. And that better agreement involved the Holy Spirit being put in you so that you can keep the commandments. And so in verse 16 of Hebrews chapter 10, this is the agreement that I will make with them after those days, says the master. I will put my laws. He didn't say I will destroy my laws. He said, I will put my Torah or his instruction into their hearts and in their minds, I will write them. So hold your place here. I want to go to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 24. I'm going to read the first verse all the way to verse 6. Not going to be pleasant, folks, but I've got to preach to you the truth. 
Isaiah 24, verse 1, Behold, the master makes the earth empty and maketh it waste, and turns it upside down, and scattereth abroad the inhabitants thereof. Verse 2, And it shall be as with the people, so with the priests, as with the servant, so with his master, as with the maid, so with her mistress, as with the buyer, so with the seller, as with the lender, so with the bower, as with the taker of usury, so with the giver of usury to him. Verse 3, the land shall be utterly empty and utterly spoiled, for the master has spoken this word. Verse 4, the earth, the or the earth, mourneth and fadeth away, the world language and fadeth away. The haughty people of the earth do language, and this is escalating right now. Uh, you have 80% of the people of the world make less than $10 a day. And I can go on and on and on with, with the statistics, folks, but the earth is mourning and fading away. The world is languishing and fading away. The haughty people of the earth do language. Respire. The earth also is defiled. It's under a state of decay, mental decay, physical decay, all kinds of decay. That word in, in the Hebrew is kadnet. It means to be defiled, to be profaned, to be polluted, to be corrupted. This word most often appears in association with the defilement of the land. Suggested that tainting not by active commission but by passive contact with those committing sins. It denotes the pollution of the land through the shedding of blood, through divorce, and through breaking God's agreements or the covenant. That's what's going on right now. There are apostles to file under the inhabitants there because they have transgressed the Torah. That is the same Hebrew word that is used in the renewed covenant or what people call the new covenant. And because the laws of the Torah have been broken, the earth is under a state of corruption. Verse 5 of Isaiah 24, the earth also is defiled under the inhabitants there because they have transgressed the Torah, the instructions, the doctrines, his way of life. Changed the ordinance, broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore, because of this, the curse that Hebrew word is Allah. It means curse. Curse. So that the curse has devoured the earth. And they that dwell therein are desolate. Are desolate. Assim. Guilty. They are guilty. Therefore the inhabitants of the earth are burned. And few men left, and that's what's going to happen, ladies and gentlemen. There's going to be few people on the earth. When you compare it to the seven billion people, that's what it'll be seven billion people on the earth. There's going to be few people on the earth when the Messiah comes back to the earth with all his angels and all his elect, his bride. Which I'm sure that if you listen to me this this far in this program, you desire to be uh, one of the elect. But the, the, the good news is that. The elect, along with Messiah, is going to save most of humanity. It's only going to be a few that's going to be talking the lake of fire, folks. That is the good news, also, of the kingdom of God, of the gospel of the kingdom. All right, so going back to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 16. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the master. I will put my Torah into their heart. And in their minds, I will write them. So that's the reason why it's a better agreement, because he's going to give us better ability to keep the Torah. When you have the true spirit of God in you, that's what will happen. I know. 
I've had it for a while, over 30 years. And I am a much different person than I was before I had the spirit in me. Verse 17, and there says in iniquities I will remember no more. So if he's not going to remember no more, obviously we, the blood of Messiah, helps us not to remember our own sins. Because if you start remembering, you're going to be tempted to, to do it, right? So we need to forget it. Verse 18, now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. So that's talking about Yeshua's offering for sin. It doesn't mean that all the sacrifices are done away with. All right. It said his particular sacrifice is done away with now because he doesn't have to do that anymore. All right. He's not going to ever do that again. Verse 19, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter enter to the holiest by the blood of Jesus, right? By the blood of Jesus, we are able to enter into the holy of holies. Prior to that, none of us could do it. But by his shed blood, now we're able to enter into the holy of holies and have a direct link, communication link with the Father. That's what the blood of Jesus also does for us. We have a a complete communication link to the Father and the Holy of Holies, the priesthood of Melchizedek. Okay? Verse 20, by a new and living way, which he has cut. (coughs) Excuse me. Verse 20. (coughs) Excuse me. By a new and living way, which he has consecrated for us through the veil, that is, to say, force <coughs> the sure don't want me getting this out. But I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight to get this out. No sickness is going to stop me. Hebrews 10, verse 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Yeshua. Verse 20. By a new and living way which he has consecrated for us through the veil. That is to say his flesh. His flesh, through his shed blood, we are able to, to enter through the veil into the Holy of Holies. And having a high priest over the house of Yodevahe, which he is that high priest. We are priests, but he's the high priest. We are of the Melchizedek priesthood which is the heavenly priesthood, not the Levitical priesthood. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. And so we should have a true heart in full assurance of our faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And water certainly represents the Holy Spirit and the words of God is spirit. John 6, verse 63 says, the words I speak to you are life. and are Let us draw near with the true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. And so we need to sprinkle our minds or our consciousness of, of wickedness. And our bodies washed with pure water. Verse 20, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promise. Verse 24, and let us consider 
one another to provoke unto love and to good works. <clears throat> and then verse 25, and this certainly goes hand in hand with John chapter 1, verse 7. I was listening to a Bible study online, and, and uh, we got to understand that <clears throat> you just can't just read one book of the Bible and say, okay, we just got it. We can't associate some of the concepts of this book with another book to help us better understand a certain doctrine. I've been doing Bible study for years, and that's the way the Bible is. It's like a jigsaw puzzle, folks. You got to put all the scriptures under one topic together to fully understand it. That is the correct way of doing Bible study. Uh, I know because this, that's the way I do it. And I've been doing it for several years, and I have taught people the truth successfully doing it that way. So anyway, in verse 24 of Hebrews chapter 10, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. <clears throat> love is simply keeping all the commandments. And 2 John 1 verse 6 says that, 1 John 5 verse 3. And to good works, verse 25, not forsaking the assembly of one another as the manner of some is, and exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And see, this is a danger because if you want to do it your own way and, and be the lone ranger, then you risk eternal damnation. In verse 26, for if you, if we sin willfully after that, we have received the knowledge of the truth. There remain of no more sacrifice to sin. So, folks, you know, just because you believe that you're sure, it's because you believe that Yeshua died on the cross and he's your savior doesn't mean that you got it made now. No, you got to continue to to obey him until the end of your life. Or if you're one of the fortunate ones, you are, as I'm going to read to you in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if you're one of the fortunate ones to be alive when the seven trump sounds, then, you know, you'll be changed instantly, instantly into an immortal being with the spiritual body. But you have to continue to obey him until the end of your death or until you are alive and then he comes back and you change instantly into a, a, a spiritual being with a spiritual body. Anyway, <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 9, verse 27, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection that by, that not that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. All right, so even Paul said he could have been a castaway. And so let's go back to Hebrews again. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26. But if we sin willfully after, the, after, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. Verse 27. But a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. Verse 28. He that despised Moses Moses, Torah, or Moses, Torah, died without mercy under two or three witnesses. How much more sore punishment, suppose ye, shall he be thought worthy who has trodden underfoot the son of Yodevahi and has counted the blood of the covenant? The blood of the agreement is Yeshua's own blood. Where if he was sanctified and an unholy thing and has done despite unto the spirit of grace. What is grace? Many people think that that gives you a license to sin. It does not. And uh, Titus chapter 2, verse 11, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation 
has appeared to all men, in verse 12, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly righteously. What is righteousness? Uh, let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. All this is in the Bible, folks. Just got to read it. Deuteronomy 6, verse 25. And it shall be our righteousness, our righteousness, if we observe to do all. Does it say some? No. All these commandments before the master, our God, as he has commanded us. So let's go back to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 26. So if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, what is truth again? Psalm 119 verse what? 151. All of his commandments and 142, all of his instructions is simply his way of life. For if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, his way of life, his commandments, his instructions, there remains no more sacrifice for sin. In other words, Yeshua is not going to go and redo what he did again. <laughs> Verse 27, but a certain fearful judgment looking for a judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries, literally destroy him. Verse 28, he that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Verse 29, of how much sore punishment. Suppose he shall he be thought worthy who has trodden under the foot of the son of Yodhavahe and has counted the blood of the covenant, wherein he was sanctified an unholy thing. So you are sanctified, set apart through the blood of Jesus. Okay? An unholy thing and has done respite unto the spirit of grace. For we know him that has said, vengeance belongs to me. I will recompense as a master. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. Fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God, ladies and gentlemen. So that is something that you need to understand. And so let's, let's get positive, though. Let's understand the whole picture here. First Corinthians chapter 15. Okay. First Corinthians chapter 15. It's a long chapter, but I want to get to the resurrection of the dead part here. First Corinthians 15 verse 12. Now, if Messiah be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? Some people, and this is one of the major doctrines of God, the the fifth major doctrine of God is the resurrection of the dead. And some people back then were preaching that there was no resurrection. Verse 13, but if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Messiah not risen? Verse 14, and if Messiah be not risen, then is our preaching in vain and your faith is also vain? Verse 15, yes, and we are found false witnesses of his Yodevahe because we have testified of Yodevahe that he raised up Messiah whom he raised not up, and so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then not, then is not Christ raised. Verse 17, and if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, you are yet in your sins. <clears throat> Verse 18, then they also which are fallen asleep in Messiah are perished. In other words, fallen asleep is a Jewish idiom for dead, you're dead. Verse 19, if in this life only we have hope in Messiah. We are all of men most miserable in these stripes. Verse 20, but now is Messiah risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. Verse 24, I mean, verse 21, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 21. For since by man came death, 
<clears throat> by man also the resurrection of the dead. Verse 22, for as in Adam all die, even as in Messiah shall all be made alive. Verse 23, but every man in his own order is not going to happen at the same time for everyone. That's what it's saying. Christ first, the first fruits, afterward they that are Christ at his coming. Verse 24, then cometh the end, the true end, the complete end is when I'm going to explain, let the Bible explain. Then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom of God, even the Father, when she, he has put down all rule and all authority and power. And so the Messiah is going to deliver the kingdom of God to the Father. Verse 25, for he shall reign, the Messiah shall reign, till he has put all enemies under his feet. That's what Psalm 110 is all about. Read it. Verse 26 of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death, because that's what sin causes, death. Verse 27, but he has put all things under his feet, but when he says all things put under him, it is manifest that he has accepted, which did put all things under him. In other words, the father is not going to be put under the foot of the Messiah. No father is obeying his son, okay? So verse 28, and when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that Yodhe may be all in all. So that is the goal, is to bring everyone. And I was looking at this one movie, Black Panther, and uh, there are some good things in movies. And at the end of the movie, it uh, talked about that all of mankind should be really one tribe uh, in the sense of being at one. And having the same religious doctrines and the same uh, morality. And that's what it will be in the future. That is, this is what the scripture pictures here. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 28. In verse 29, else, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20, else, what shall they do which are immersed for the dead if the dead rise not at all? Why are they then immersed for the dead? Verse 30, and why shall we in jeopardy? Why are we in jeopardy every hour? And so, in verse thirty-one, I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Messiah Yeshua, Christ Jesus, our Master. I die daily. Verse thirty-two, and if after the manner of men, I have fought the beasts of Ephesus, which advantaged me. If the dead rise not, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we shall die. In other words, you know, we'll just do what we want to do because we're going to die. Verse 33, be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. And this is something that uh, people need to understand. If you are around people that preach in false doctrine. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 30, it says, don't be fooled. Bad company ruins good character. And I've seen people, even in this movement, start being around people that don't keep the commandments fully, don't have any desire to do so, then you're going to end up acting like this. You're going to start to develop bad character. And so that's the reason why we have to separate ourselves. And the Amplified Version of the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33, Do not be so deceived and misled. Evil companionships, communion associations, corrupt and depraved good manners and morals and character. And so that's what the Bible says. Well, the question is, do you believe it? And uh, verse 34, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Awake! To righteousness and sin not. So we need to awake to righteousness and sin not. For some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your sin. 
Verse 35, but some man will say, how are the dead raised up and with what body do they come? So let's understand what God revealed to Paul about this. He says, thou fool, thou which, thou which, um, thou sowest is not quickened except it shall die. And that thou which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body which shall be, but bear grain and may chance of wheat or some other grain. But God given him a body as it pleased him, and to every seed his own body. All flesh is not the same, but there is one kind of flesh of men, and another flesh of beasts, and another of fishes, and another of birds. There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial, but the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. Verse 41 There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars, for one star different from one star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption, and it's raised in incorruption. Okay, it is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory, it is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. Verse 44 it is sown a natural body. We have a natural body right now, we don't have a spiritual body yet. It is raised a spiritual, a spiritual body. When we are raised to be a spiritual body, that's when we're truly completely born again, ladies and gentlemen. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. Verse 45 and so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Verse 46, howbeit that was not first which is spiritual, that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. Verse 47, the first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord of heaven. I hope you see the analogy here from the, um, the temporal to the spiritual. The holy place is the temporal. The holiest of holies is the spiritual. Uh, verse 4, the first man is of the earth, earthy, the second man is the Lord from heaven. Verse 48, as is the earthy, such are they also the earthy. As is the heavenly, such are they are the heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Verse 50, now this I say, brethren, flesh and blood. In other words, you can't be a mortal entering the kingdom of God. Neither does corruption inherit incorruption. Being a mortal, you're corrupted. Verse 51, behold. I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. At the last trumpet, the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. But this corruption must put on incorruption. If you have to put it on, then we don't have immortality. And this mortal must put on immortality. That is the, That seals what I've been talking about. We have to put on immortality. That proves without a shadow of a doubt that the tree of life was closed off until Messiah came and opened that door. He erased those swords from the tree of life. Now we can have immortality, but we have to um, obey the terms of the covenant for that to happen. Verse 54, so when this corruption, corruptible shall have put on incorruption, then this mortal shall have put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the Torah. All right? And so, ladies and gentlemen, that is the goal. Can't get away. One of the weightier matters of law is Inuna. Inuna involves works. We have to repent. This is the first major doctrine that most people, even some people in the Hebrew Roots movement, don't understand. Repentance from dead works. We have to repent from not doing the works that God commands us to do. That is what faith, true faith is. That's complete faith. 
We have to keep all of his commandments. We can't have a desire to keep some of them. We have to keep all of them. And, and uh, James chapter 2 tells us this. James chapter 2. James chapter 2. And it talked about uh, having, um, well, actually, James chapter 1 talks about this. James chapter 1. Keep on getting this mixed up here. Um says right here, James 1, verse 22, but ye, be ye doers of the, but be ye doers of the word, and not hear his own. We have to do what he said. We have to obey him. He says, you are my friends if you do what I tell you. Verse 23, for if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man beholding his natural face in the glass, for he beholds himself and go of his way and straight, for he forget of what manner of man he is. In verse 25, but whosoever looketh into the perfect Torah of liberty, and continue there, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in the deed. Okay? And so we, we cannot think that obeying God is, is a partial thing. You, you can't do that. You can't be partial with God, ladies and gentlemen. You can't do that. I'm still trying to find a scripture that proves that here. Um, here we go. And this is in the context of being partial in a, in a, in a fellowship. Uh, in James 2, verse 1, my brethren, have not, have not the faith of our master with respect to persons. Verse 2, for if there come into you assembly a man with a gold ring of goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and you have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, to say to him, sit thou here in a poor place, in a good place, rather, and say to the poor, stand thou here sit there under my footstool, are you not then partial in yourselves and are become judges of evil thoughts? Verse 5, hearken, my beloved brethren, has not God chosen the poor, not just literally poor, but people also that care about the poor, poor in spirit, of this world, rich in faith, and rich in faith, that means they're rich in, in works, good works, heirs <laughs> of the kingdom which he has promised to them that love him. But you have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats? Verse 7 of James chapter 2, do not they blaspheme that worthy name by which you are called? Verse 8, if you fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, you do well. Verse 9, but if you have respect to persons, you commit sin and are convinced of the Torah as transgressions. For whosoever shall keep the whole Torah, all of the instructions, and yet offend in one point, he's guilty of all. And he gives you an example in verse 11. For he that says, do not commit adultery, says also do not kill. Now, if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, you are become a transgressor of Torah. And so what is sin? Sin is the transgression of the law. And that's in 1 John 2, verse 4. So speak ye, and so do as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. For he shall have judgment without mercy that has showed no mercy, and mercy rejoice against judgment. And so, ladies and gentlemen, we have to understand that. We have to understand that. Actually, that's 1 John 3. I'm sorry. 1 John 3, verse 4. I haven't quoted that scripture uh, lately, but 1 John 3, verse 4. Whoever commits sin transgresses also the law. For sin is the transgression of the Torah. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, let's, let's understand what the work of the Melchizedek priesthood is. 
In 1 John chapter 2, it tells us, verse 5, well, let's start in verse 2 of 1 Peter chapter 2. As newborn babes, <clears throat> desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If so be you have tasted that the master is gracious, verse 4, to whom coming and to a living stone, this is disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. You also, as lively stones, have built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to Yodhavahe by Yeshua Messiah. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 tells us what those spiritual sacrifices, actually the whole Bible shows us how to give the people. Those are spiritual sacrifices. Verse 6, wherefore also this obtain in the scripture, behold, I lay and die on the chief cornerstone, let precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confirmed, I mean confounded, verse 7, unto you therefore which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which to build is disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. That you are a chosen generation, a world priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but now you are the people of Yodevahi, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul, having your conversation against honest among the Gentiles, that wherein they speak against you as evildoers, that they may behold your good works. This is the ministry of Melchizedek, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. And it goes on and on here. But the book of Hebrew tells us what we need to do. Look at the gifts, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. It talks about um, the uh, gifts of apostleship, of prophecy, of evangelism, of teaching and preaching, okay, and shepherding, along with 1 Corinthians chapter 12. That is the work of the Melchizedek priesthood, ladies and gentlemen. That's, that's what we need to be doing. And so, ladies and gentlemen, I hope that this Bible study has clarified what Ultimately, the blood of Jesus does for us is first of all, it opens the door to immortality again. The tree of life is not closed off anymore. Immortality can be reached again. But that's all it does. It, it, it gives us the opportunity to obtain immortality. But to, to obtain that immortality, we have to have faith. We have to repent from dead works. We have to do something, and we have to repent so we can receive the Holy Spirit, so the Holy Spirit can influence us to keep his commandments. And that way, God can see that we do actually believe him, and then we will completely become his children, and we'll be allowed to enter into the kingdom of God. He's not going to allow anyone that's not going to go by his rules and regulations to enter into his kingdom, ladies and gentlemen. No righteous king would ever do that. And so that's what the blood of Jesus does. It allows us to do that. And it cleanses our mind from wickedness so that not only we will stop sinning, but also stop remembering the sin to begin with. All right? And uh, that's what the blood of Jesus ultimately does, ladies and gentlemen. It doesn't encourage us to stop. It doesn't encourage us to continue to sin. 
it, it should do the total opposite. It should discourage us from sinning. And so with that, ladies and gentlemen, uh, may Yah bless and keep you. And if you want to give to this ministry, please call this toll-free number, 1-800-941-8011. If you want to give, uh, send a check of money order and make it out to my name. We'll give you instructions on how to do that. But if you want to do it online, go to mercifulserviceofgod.com mercifulserviceofgod.com and click the yellow donate button. We don't force anybody to give to us. That's something that uh, you should do is between you and God. Uh, we provide all of our teachings for free and all that we ask is that if you want us to be able to continue to do this uh, in, in a greater way, please give to us. Uh, may Yah bless and keep you and Yah willing, I'll be available to you next week. Shalom. Peace. Malachi chapter 4 for behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.